turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 4. It is good to praise the Lord with a gathered body of believers. What a privilege. What a joy. And it brings us joy because it's true. Like, all that's true that we just sung about Jesus. He is a Savior. He is the Lord. He can save, and He can save to the uttermost all who draw near to Him. Praise God for that. Now, I feel like at this point, I have to say, you know, you know how on TV sometimes it'll say that, unfortunately, we have to interrupt this broadcast, right, to bring some breaking news. So that's what's going to be happening. We're going to go to Genesis 4, and it's going to be a decidedly unhappy situation and a tragic situation, but we need to get that glimpse in order to glory in what we just sung about. Amen? So we're going to get some help today, but we're also going to get some reality, and we're going to get some tragedy, and then we're going to get some joy at the end. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness, and we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your love for us. Lord, that you would send Jesus into the world. We don't deserve it, and yet you graciously sent your Son because you loved us, Lord. For God so loved the world. You loved us. You sent Jesus into the world to save all who will believe. You did not spare your own Son, but you gave him up for us all. And so, knowing that, Lord, we know that you'll do everything and give us everything that we need in Christ. And so I pray, Father, that your spirit would open our hearts now. That as we consider the words of Genesis 4, as we step into this passage of Scripture, Lord, that, that it would speak to where we need to get a word most. That you would minister and create a word for each of our hearts as we come in here today in different places, and the Spirit knows what we need. And so I pray that the Spirit would do convicting work, encouraging work, strengthening work, and show us more of our need for Jesus. And so we pray that you would blow upon this time and that you would help us as we step into Genesis 4. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I was reading a an article uh, a couple months back, and the title of the article read like this, a woman went to work and was swallowed by a 22-foot python. A woman went to work and was swallowed by a 22-foot python. Now, this happened in Indonesia, and a lot of times they would build next to a forest, they build plants and different things like that. This was a rubber plant, and so it was built a little bit too close to a jungle. So imagine you're walking to work one day, and out of nowhere, just a giant snake comes and swallows you whole, right? It's a tragedy. It's horrific, and as, as we think about it, it's, it's, it's not something we would expect. And oftentimes, 
sin works like that in our lives. It just swallows us seemingly out of nowhere. Thought it was a normal day, everything's going the way you thought it would, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you get hit upside the head. And the consequences of sin in your life just start to swallow you and ravage you. Everything seemed to go good, and all of a sudden, the bill is coming due. And we're stepping into a story here in Genesis 4 where Adam and Eve have just fallen from grace, right? They've just eaten of the tree that God said not to eat. And they experience alienation from God, alienation from one another, and alienation from the world around them. And they're banished from the garden at the end of uh, chapter 3. And then you're introduced to life outside of the garden, where there's all sorts of snakes slithering around. You're a little too close to the jungle, right? Because you're no longer in Eden. You're out of the garden. And we find the first family is not so unlike our families. The first family experiences dysfunction. That's what we call it today, right? We call sin. We're just kind of dysfunctional. I come from a dysfunctional family, right? Well, there's some dysfunction, right? all up in here as well as out there because we all battle sin and we all have this first family Adam and Eve Cain and Abel and all of their descendants that's our that's our ancestry this is history so we're we're getting into history we're going to be confronted with history it's going to give us a dose of reality and then it's going to make us just glory that God provided a way in sending Jesus So I'm going to read the text up front and then we'll spend some time just diving in and trying to get some help. And and I'll promise you now, I'm not going to deal with every detail of this passage, but we need to, to see it and we need to unfold some things to get some help as Christians. And maybe if you're in here today and you feel like you're being swallowed up right now, And only maybe you and God and a couple others know what's going on. But God has a word for you from this book. So let's read it. Genesis 4 and verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel, And now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain was a worker of the ground. Stop, real quick. God has graciously given life to Adam and Eve. They sinned. They deserve to die. And he's giving them a child. He's giving them two children. He's blessing them. And and Eve is declaring right there up front, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. It's, It's a cry of faith. It's a cry of like, praise God. We deserve death. But we've been given new life. We've been given a family. All right. Now enter the effects of the fall. In the court, this is verse three. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought 
of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord, I'm sorry, let me read that again. I, I messed that up. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering from the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought an offering of the firstborn of his flock, of the fat of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said to him, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I'm a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. And then the Lord said, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain lest Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Or, sorry, and then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Sounds a lot like the first family got swallowed up whole by sin. Things started out good and they got swallowed up. And it seems like it sort of came out of nowhere, but we're going to get some, some help to kind of navigate this passage because I know there's a lot there. And, and the first thing we're going to see is that sin is a matter of the heart. Sin is a matter of the heart. It begins in the heart. Look at verse 3 one more time. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering from the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Sin is a matter of the heart. And you might look at that, and you're like, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel sorry for Cain, you might be thinking. Here he gives something of the ground, and then Abel gives of, of the lambs. And, and listen, Abel was a shepherd, and Cain was a farmer. And we got some farmers up in here, right? Farming is a noble 
profession. In the Old Testament, it was a noble profession. Shepherding was noble. There's nothing wrong with those occupations. And it seems like, what's up, God? Like, what gives? You're not accepting one, and you're accepting the other. But sometimes we forget that the Lord sees the heart. And the heart makes all the difference. The intention makes all the difference. And we have some clues in this text why it is that the Lord didn't receive or didn't regard Cain's offering, but did regard his brother's. See, Cain came and he just offered from the fruit of the ground. He just offered some of what he had. But Abel offered from his firstborn of his flock and the choicest fat of the lambs he gave. He gave his best. He gave his first and his best. Cain just gave a little bit. It was perfunctory. It was just sort of like he just gave a little bit. And then we're clued in, in the New Testament, to the reality that Cain had a heart problem. Cain had a sin problem. He had sin strangling his heart. He, wouldn't, he didn't have good motives. And Hebrews 11.4 reminds us that it is by faith that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous... And God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel had a heart for God. He had a heart of faith. He gave in a way that trusted the Lord. And Cain did not give from a heart of faith. He did not give trusting God. He was just like, here, I'll give him a little something. His giving wasn't from the heart. We've all been there, right? We've, there, there have been times where we've seen people give, perhaps. And it's just like to get people out of their face. And then there's a giving from the heart. There's a way to serve and there's a way to worship. This whole passage is about worship in the beginning. They're giving an offering unto the Lord. And Cain reminds us it's very possible to play at religion and to just check the box, just kind of go through the motions, but have a heart that's devoid of faith. And the one thing we see, we don't have a lot of data on Abel, except the commentary, the divine commentary in Hebrews that says it was by faith that Abel gave his sacrifice unto the Lord and he's commended as righteous. You see, people were justified by faith back in the Old Testament. It's by faith he's justified. It's by faith he's commended as righteous and God accepts his gift, and through his faith, though he's dead, he still speaks to this day. Because when you read the account of Cain and Abel, you're supposed to read it and see 
that the just will live by faith. And without faith, it's possible, it's impossible to please God. But if you believe in God, that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that's what faith is. And so there's a great difference between the two offerings. One is out of trust and one is out of wicked intentions. One is about putting up pretenses. One is about sort of trying to look good in front of people. And one is about loving God. And there's a big difference. And it's easy to play church on Sunday morning and go out and live a life devoid of God. And this passage commends us to live by faith in the Lord Jesus. To sing with a heart filled of faith. To praise the living God and bring our offerings unto God. We're bringing offerings in the morning when we come and worship and we gather. We're bringing offerings to the Lord. Offerings of praise. Offerings of thanksgiving. In fact, Paul would say in the New Testament that he presents his body as a living sacrifice. He tells us, therefore, brothers, present yourselves a living sacrifice. For that's good and right. And it's a pleasing aroma unto God. But Cain had gotten twisted and verse 5 reveals something is wrong. Something's wrong with his heart. Something's wrong inside. But for Cain and his offering, we, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. It's like his response betrays the heart. Every parent in here knows, right, when you confront your children when they do wrong, the response betrays the heart. Kids, you might be in here today and you, get, you, you got confronted maybe this week. Did you get defensive? A adults, this is just for adults too, right? You may have gotten confronted with sin. Did you get real defensive? Real angry. Your face fell. See, Cain doesn't do any kind of owning at this point. He's just angry. He's just upset that he did not get favor with God. But his heart is all wrong. And you've got to imagine, you've got to imagine Cain for a second. You know, He's so angry. It says he's very angry in verse 5. So veins are popping out of his head. He's upset. He's shaking. His face is frowning. That's what it means to have your face fall. It's a frowny face. And he's muttering to himself, how dare God accept this brother of mine's offering? I gave him my fruit. I did what he asked. And he's going to take this punk's little offering, this little lamb, this stinky shepherd boy. This is ridiculous. And the germ, the germ, the seed that would germinate in his heart 
from anger to rage to bitterness had begun to take root. Have you ever been there? Where you've gotten angry and you did not let it go? And you didn't deal with it and it began to germinate. Well, things are germinating here. The soil is, is cultivating this anger, the soil of his heart. So next time you get jealous because somebody is blessed, watch out. Sin lies crouching at the door and its desire is for you. And just like that, Cain begins to get swallowed little by little by sin. Sin begins in the heart. Point number two, sin gives birth to something. It gives birth to death. Sin is always working its way out to its most horrible form. Look with me at verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And Cain spoke to his brother Abel. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Do you see the progression there? The progression of sin in the life of Cain. What began as anger turned to murderous rage. And what began, or, 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 and, and the murderous rage blows through every stop sign until it gives birth to death in the murder of his brother. And you think, that would never happen to me. Well, probably every murderer on the history of the planet thought that until it took root. And Jesus reminds us that murder begins in the heart with anger and rage. And then it plays out in the world around us. And we can do a lot of murdering with our words. But Cain begins this cycle, this process of working this depravity to a point where he does the most unthinkable thing. And the one he's supposed to love, the one he's supposed to care for, the one he's supposed to watch out for. Am I my brother's keeper? That's the one he kills. Now notice in verse 6, we have a gracious warning and some questions, right? That the Lord comes. He's like a good father. He comes. He sees the, the, he sees the heart of the matter. He sees what's going on in Cain's heart, and he sees what go, goes on in our hearts, and he has some questions for Cain to draw him out, to help him see. He's trying to help them. Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? Why are you upset? If you do what's right, you're going to be blessed. If you do what's wicked, sin's going to pounce on you and destroy you and rip you to shreds. 
And listen, every time we sin, every time we lie, every time we cheat, every time we steal, every time we go to something that begins to grab our hearts and we know it's not right in the sight of God, we begin the process of a pull towards sin and it, it wants to work itself out in its most heinous form. And the Lord is kind to Cain in giving him opportunities. There's no injustice here, Cain. Do what's right and you'll be blessed. You'll be accepted. I'm a good daddy. I love you. That's why I'm talking to you now about your heart. Perhaps the Lord is talking to you about your heart today. It's like, I love you. But the direction you're going is not a good one. The way you're going is not good. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, the way is death. And Cain began to see that something was going on. Do you notice that in verse 7, it says that sin is crouching at the door? I almost called this sermon basically crouching tiger hidden sin after that movie because there's a reality here it's like sin is being spoken of as crouching at the door like a tiger like an animal a ferocious animal ready to devour and it's at a door and you are walking up to the door and you're turning it to see what's inside and it pounces it's like the snake that comes out of nowhere Right? But perhaps there was a process of making unwise decisions by putting a rubber plant next to a jungle. And perhaps you have made some bad decisions. And you're toying with opening the door to something worse. Cain didn't wake up one day just thinking, hey, I'm just going to go kill my brother today. Right? It was a process. He was seeing the stop signs that God was putting out. Stop what you're doing. Look at your heart. And he was blowing through them. Nobody starts out a drug addict, an alcoholic, a serial adulterer. It starts perhaps with a lustful look, an inappropriate conversation. A harmless drink. I'm just trying to take the edge off. And it begins to hook you. And it begins to sink its fangs. And you begin to open the door. And you've opened the door too many times. And the lion pounces. You're in its grip. And Cain becomes a cold-blooded vicious murderer verse 8 he spoke to his brother come on out come on out to the field and he rises up and with wrath he kills him and before long his blood is spilt on the ground and it's crying out because God sees it's crying out because God knows 
It's crying out for justice to be done. James 1 reminds us that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Have you ever dabbled in sin and it began to spiral and get out of control? And it began to make a bigger mess. It's like a snowball going down a mountain, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's no stopping it until it does damage. How many of us in here maybe have allowed sin to work its way into disaster in our families. Listen, this passage is here not because this is like some random story that doesn't affect or mirror anything to do with our lives. This is us. This is our story. This is who we are apart from Jesus. And it's why we need a Savior. That's why this passage is here. Genesis 4 is a great reminder that we need King Jesus to come in and to save us. We need the promised one who would come and stomp on the serpent's head. And he would do it on a cross. And the Apostle John says that Jesus, that for this reason, for this reason, Jesus came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. And you will not see rescue in this life if you don't come through Jesus. He's the one who can deal with our Cain problem. And he's the one who produces Abel's by the word of the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the word of the gospel. That's the word of hope. Now, this story is, or this account, it's real. It's heavy. It's soul penetrating. It's not a word that's, this isn't the warm fuzzies, right? There's a progression happening. Sin is beginning in the heart. Sin is bringing forth death. And sin is bringing consequences before God. And that's the next point we see. Sin has grave consequences. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said to him, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength, and you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer here on the earth. Do you see what's happening to Cain? He's losing everything. He's losing his peace with God. He's losing his family. He's losing his livelihood. He was a farmer, and he can't farm anymore. The ground won't yield to him anymore because of his sin. And he's forced to wander away from the presence of God. 
He's lost himself. He's went too far. And he's been cast out. He was warned. He was pleaded with. And he has a hard heart about it. He's being confronted in his sin. He's not repenting. He's doubling down. My friends, is that what's going on when you get confronted? Do you double down? Do you dig your heels in? Do you lie about it? Do you dodge the truth? Or do you bring your heart before God in repentance? There's a way that seems right to a man, a woman, a boy, a girl. But in the end, the way is death. And Cain was hardening his heart. Beloved, he was hardening his heart. We don't want to harden our heart to the Lord. God speaks to us. He begins to prompt our hearts. He begins to tell us where we're wrong and call us to repentance. And perhaps you're in here today and you've been needing to repent for a long time. God has been speaking to you and you just know you got to deal with him. And he loves you. It's not like he wants to pounce on you. He's not like sin. Sin wants to pounce, destroy, tear you to shreds. God loves you and he wants to heal you and he wants to forgive you. And that's why he sent Jesus. But Cain is so hard, his brother's over there lying, rotting on a gr the ground with his blood spilt. And he will not repent. And so the Lord continues the questions. I remember when, wasn't long after Halloween or something like that, we had hit all the Halloween candy. And I started noticing like little wrappers, you know, everywhere. All over the place, like under the bed, some in the trash. And I go and kind of have this confrontation with my kids. And I ask them, what's up with the Milky Way wrappers everywhere? And one of them actually runs off to their room, right? <laughs> Shuts the door. That's response number one. The other one is like, I don't, I don't, what? <laughs> The other one points <laughs> to this sibling and, and says, it wasn't me. <laughs> and that's what's going on here. There's got to be a place of repentance. There's got to be a place of conviction. There's got to sin, sin. And, it, and, and when it's going on in your life, are you hardening to it? Or are you repenting? It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And he's inviting Cain many, many times in this passage. He's so gracious. He doesn't kill Cain altogether, which he could have. And he, he, it would have been right if the Lord just slew Cain because of what he did. But he preserves Cain. He warns Cain. He pleads with Cain. And he actually puts a mark, we read, on Cain to protect him. We don't know what the mark was. We just know that it was on him saying, you can't touch him. He's experiencing the consequences of his sin. I will protect him. I'm going to be even gracious in how I deal out judgment. But he's banished from the presence of the Lord. And that's the final picture we get. That's the final turn away from God. 
Verse 16. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And do you know what Nod means? It means wanderer. The one who lived the way of Cain, the one who rebelled against God, the one who plugged his ears, the one who kept saying no, blowing through every stop sign, begins to wander and wander and wander. And pretty soon he's living in a city called Wander, away from the presence of the Lord. The consequences of sin have been brought to bear. He's separated from God. He's separated from his livelihood. He's separated from his family. And he's experiencing life apart from God, east of Eden, the place where the tree of life that would give healing to the nations one day. He's wandering. Where are you at today? Are you wandering from the Lord? Are you wandering from the straight ways of God? Are you lost? Have you lost yourself? Have you gotten so far? Has things gotten so out of control? Has consequences began to mount up in your family? And you just need to cry out to God and say, enough, Lord, I'm done with all of it. I'm done with all of it. I'm going to run to Jesus. Because before the final act is over, we have some glimmers of hope because sin only has one solution. Sin only has one solution and it's Jesus and it's a calling on the name of the Lord. In the darkest of times, we need the revival of God to break into our lives afresh. And this chapter ends with promise and revival. Look at verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again. They had lost everything. They lost two sons, not one. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. And he would be in the line that would lead to Jesus, that would lead all the way to Calvary. He was the promised one in the lineage of the Messiah would go through Seth. For she said, God is appointed to me back to our passage. God is appointed to me another offspring instead of Abel for Cain has killed him. And to Seth also our son was born, and his name was Enosh. And at that time, look at this, at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. Nothing will happen in your life before God if you don't call on the name of the Lord. And this promise, this line of Seth that would go right to Jesus reminds us that we need a Savior. And we need blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood cried out from the ground for justice. Jesus' blood cries out from the cross for redemption. It cries out for rescue. It cries out for all who will believe. Come to me. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You and your whole household. If you will believe, 
Romans 10.9 makes that clear. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what are we going to do today? We've seen sin is a matter of the heart. Sin brings death. Sin brings consequences. And sin only has one solution. It's Jesus. And God is speaking today. This is His Word, not mine. This is His grace, His love, His plan to deal with our problem, our dysfunctional families, our dysfunctional hearts, our sin problem, and He can rescue anyone who calls to Him. And even Christians need this Word to remind them that they need grace every day. They need a Savior every day. We're, we're just beggars showing another beggar where the food is. Martin Luther, at the end of his life, the last words he said was, we're all beggars. Well, have you come to the Lord and put your trust in Him. Have you called? Maybe it's time for a renewal in your life. A renewal unto God. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, as You've done some work in our hearts and You're speaking to us where we're at, where we need You most, I just pray, Lord, that You would be moving Opening our eyes, Lord, if some have witnessed today uh, the word of God speaking to them, they've heard with ears of fresh faith that God has been speaking to them, that they need to repent, they need to get right with you. I pray that they would. I pray whether they're young or old, whether they're moms or dads, grandpas or grandmas, Lord, I pray they wouldn't resist the call of God to turn to Christ for forgiveness. And so I pray, Lord, now that You would be drawing them to Yourself. And maybe You're there today. Maybe You're, you're saying, I am Cain and I need the Lord. I'm just going to invite you to pray with me right now. And just pray, dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe I've been running from You in my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe He rose from the grave. And based on that, would You forgive me of my sins? Would You come into my life I'm turning away from sin and I'm trusting in Christ. I want to be like Abel who believed and was commended. Lord, seal the work of the Word in our hearts. And as we come to our hymn of response, continue to move in our midst and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.